spaces that are completely segregated and racialized. What it is like to be you know, queer and Arab and how difficult that might be, or how do you negotiate that? The destruction of the social cultural worlds of black people, of African people, those who were here before. Which kinds of bodies get disciplined and regulated through discourse, but also in actual practice? Hi, I'm Magrida Waku. I'm Caroline Honorian. And I'm Leopold Lambert. This is the Phenomenalist podcast, operating in parallel with the Phenomenalist magazine that engages with the politics of space and bodies. Our hope is to provide a useful platform where activists, academics, and practitioners build solidarities across geographical scales. Each episode, we invite someone we admire and learn from their experiences, research, and struggle. Hello everyone, today we're coming back for uh, an episode of the regular series of the Phenobolis podcast and uh, my guest is Ahmad Barclay, uh, who is an architect and visual communicator based in Beirut. Uh, he's a founding partner with uh, Visualizing Impact and Visualizing Palestine as well and as an Al-Shabaka policy member. And he's been a regular contributor to the Phenobolist uh, through, throughout throughout times really. Like <laughs> one, it's been a while since we collaborate, I suppose. And in particular, uh, with one episode uh, of the podcast back in uh, 2015, uh, specifically about uh, visualizing impact and visualizing Palestine. Uh, and a contributor to the 18th issue of the Phenobolist, Cartography and Power. Uh, with a text uh, entitled Mapping and Truth, Communicating the Erasure of Palestine. Uh, hello, Ahmed. Hi. Hi, Leopold. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you. And uh, we're, I think we're doing this recording today because, and we'll, we'll release it tomorrow, because tomorrow Visualizing Palestine is going to release a new project, uh, one more of... Uh, very very important project in the way we visualize Palestine. Uh, it's called Palestine Today, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about that, and uh, it's gonna be released three days before the 72nd anniversary of the Nakba. Um, but perhaps I think people who will be curious about visualizing Palestine more in details will be able to listen to this uh, to this conversation from 2015. I mean, of course, it's a little bit old, but I think. Uh, when it comes to like the motivations and the methods of visualizing Palestine, things are probably still the same. But perhaps in a in a few words, could you could you describe to uh, our listeners so, some of our listeners who might not be familiar with it what what visualizing Palestine has been doing in the last uh, what has it been like seven years, eight years now? Uh, eight years now, yeah, since twenty twelve. Um, so I mean, our work is. Um, based in uh, basically visual communication, visual storytelling um, on you know, the issue of Palestine. Um, and, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to use particularly, you know, data-led uh, stories, uh, data visualization um, as a way to kind of communicate um, in a simpler way or as accessible a way as possible, um, you know, what are sometimes quite complicated issues I guess um, there's you know in a way you know the, the, the idea of complexity is, is a way of uh, um, 
you know, scaring people away from, from engaging with the topic. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit tentative when I say things that, you know, with talking about complex issues, um, but definitely issues where there's, you know, a lot of um, uh, conflicting views that are, that are, you know, broadcast. So, uh, you know, the idea of um, having things that are simple, accessible, um, is definitely still something that's important eight years later. Uh, great, and then uh, many everyone can obviously uh, go on the Visualizing Palestine website to see the many many graphics that have been done in those uh, eight years to indeed break down uh, the various dimension of uh, settler colonial conditions of Palestine um, uh, in a in a very simple way, as you as you say. Um, And so, and so Palestine today is very much part of this project. I mean, of course, Visualizing Palestine has been having some, uh, some infographics, but like there's been also a few uh, more ambitious, if you allow me to say, uh, uh, projects of mapping or, or what you call counter mapping. Maybe you can tell us what you mean by counter mapping. Uh, and and Palestine today is very much based on a, on a, on a, an older project called Palestine Open Maps, uh, which was also what you had written about in the, in the article I mentioned earlier in the Phenomenalist. Uh, could you perhaps uh, start by telling us what uh, Palestine Open Maps was as a project back uh, in what when was it two years two years ago? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. Um, we launched in I think exactly I guess two years ago in 2018 uh, around Nakba Day as well. Um, so Palestine Open Maps, it's a it's a kind of spin off project from from Visualizing Palestine. So it's it's uh, was something that we we started through a, a kind of I guess a hackathon that we kind of co-hosted in in Amman and it's uh, also since then been been supported by um, uh, a fellowship from the uh, Creative Commons and uh, it's called the Basel Khartabil Free Culture Fellowship uh, which was um, um, Majd al-Shahabi was uh, working under as a, as a developer on the project. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's a project that started with Visualizing Palestine, but it's also kind of got its own own life. Um, so what that project aims to do is it basically takes uh, a large number of um, detailed, like British uh, maps from the 1940s as a, st as a starting point. Um, and interestingly, these maps um, from what was called the Survey of Palestine, Um, were actually kind of made available in a form through the um, the National Library of Israel website. And you were able to view these online uh, in quite high resolution, but you weren't able to download them uh, easily. And they were separate map sheets. There were like, you know, 155 different areas covered by these sheets, but you couldn't navigate between one and the other. You could just look at them as... Um, individual sheets so they you know seeing these inspired the, the idea that look okay these are digitized somehow let's try and figure out a way to get hold of the um, the full resolution versions um, I mean they're not in copyright anymore they're, they're kind of public domain um, so we found a way to kind of extract these maps in full resolution um, 
and then to piece them together into like a single uh, tile set um, that allows you to view them more like you would view, you know, Google Maps, other online mapping services. Uh, and to connect that together with data on the towns and villages that was available from other sources like um, Salman Abu Sitta, uh, Zohrot, Palestine Remembered, um, and actually present day data from from the you know national statistics uh, authorities um, that allowed people to be able to search through the maps. Like so, you can type the name of a place, and you should be able to navigate to that place. Um, so just making this available and then eventually, you know, we've now also made it possible to download the original map sheets um, and also combining that with um, other levels of detail and other years. Um, but the most detailed ones are the one to 20,000 ones, which are the ones that kind of inspired the project and, and you know, have a lot more detail um, than, than the other layers. Um, and then there's also the possibility to, to, to kind of flip between these historic maps and the present-day satellite photography, so you can also see how the the territories transformed. Um, so you kind of have all these these options available, um, and the possibility to kind of download and split screen and all these kind of kind of things. Um, so so that's kind of what that that platform is about, and it's really kind of um, framed as a, as a you know an open data project and. You know, it's, I mean, the name Palestine Open Maps, you know, it's, it's really just about making information available and not necessarily about making a sp any specific statement about that information, but just knowing that, you know, the act of making that available is, is um, you know, obviously has a political resident resonance as well. And you mentioned uh, Majdal Shihabi, uh, as, uh, his work on this uh on this project and uh, I, I can also um, uh, direct uh, the listeners to uh, the conversation that MASH was involved uh, for our um, with uh, 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 with Madiha Tahir uh, for our special issue with uh, the Palestine Festival of Literature the issue was called uh, Learning with Palestine um, but perhaps uh, if I try to push you a little bit further Um, I think, could you maybe talk about the significance to, uh, to have those maps available? I mean, even, even our generation, you and I worked, um, let's say 15 years ago on, um, uh, on the geography, on the colo colonial geography of Palestine. And, and we had access to a certain amount of instruments and tools and maps, Uh, certainly, I mean, it's 15 years ago. It's not. It's not more than that. But but still, like it. It's now. But it's. It really feels. It really feels that. Uh, it really feels that. Like those projects are really groundbreaking in terms of what it gives access to. And perhaps I, I'd like you to to tell us why. <laughs> Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I guess uh, I can give like a, sh a short, well, I don't know how short it will be, anecdote, because um, <laughs> I'm not very good at short. Um, but I spent a summer in, in I guess it was 2009, uh, working with uh, Decolonizing Architecture, or Decolonizing Architecture Art Residency in uh, Beit Sahur in, uh, near Bethlehem in the West Bank. 
Um, and the project we were working on was, um, what's it called, uh, about, about re- you know, return. Um, so not so much the right of return, but about thinking about what does return of Palestinian refugees mean in practical terms. And the idea was to look at a specific uh, village uh, in 48 or in, you know, uh, Israel, Israel proper. Um, and that village was one called Miska, which is uh, close. It's in the Tulkarim kind of region of historic Palestine. It's close to, very close actually to Qalqilia in the West Bank, but on the other side of the, of the Green Line. So as part of this project, um, we had a chance, you know, to speak with people who were from that village living very close to the original site of the village. Um, and, you know, we were trying to get, you know, hold of also historic maps of the place. And, you know, we had, we managed to get hold of some of these maps through, um, you know, Jewish Israelis who had access to, you know, easy access to the to the archives. Um, and I know the experience of, you know, Palestinian citizens of Israel, it's often harder to get access. So even if they officially have access, it can be quite difficult. So to the people we were talking with living, you know, as citizens of Israel, very close to, to the site, uh, these maps were new to them. They hadn't been able to see or access these maps of, of, the, of the village that they were from. Um, and just and that's just talking to get one of these individual maps, you know, 155 different maps, you know, to get the whole set, you know, you'd have to go through a lot of kind of hurdles and whatever to get scans of these. Um, And also, unfortunately, you know, there are full sets of these that exist in the UK, for example. I mean, they're British maps originally, but then the access there isn't very good either. Um, It'd be quite tricky to kind of get get full access. And then to be able to scan them is like a, a, a complicated thing as well so it's not like you know they they don't you know they should exist online in the UK but they don't um, and even to find out exactly where they are isn't always straightforward as you know I've heard from you know Salman Abusita you know the place that they're uh, filed it might be under you know Israel it might be under Palestine it might be you know it's not um, always in in the most obvious places um, and the, the national archives of the UK are quite split as well. So, so really, um, the, the access to these maps, although they're pub, you know officially public domain, copyright expired, definitely, uh, it was a little bit of a uh, uh, what's it called? Um, it was a bit of a gift, you know, that they went online on the on the Israeli National Library website. And honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure of the politics behind that because. Um, some things aren't available um, and, you know, particularly, you know, in, you know, incriminating historical documents, you know, they have a whole, uh, you know, part of the, of the, 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 the state that is responsible for, for deciding what goes in and what comes out. And, you know, there's, there were examples of certain documents being removed after, you know, parts of them had been published. Um, I think there was a recent example like uh, with, you know, something that had been quoted by Benny Morris, like a letter or something like this was, you know, removed kind of possibly without trace from from the archive where we had taken it from. Um, Or at least it had become, you know, top level, you know, security clearance when it hadn't been previously. Um, So I'm I'm I don't. Yeah, I'm intrigued, actually, if anyone anyone knows like what the politics are behind you know, these particular maps being available and other ones not being available. 
um, I would be very interested to kind of know the, the kind of workings of that. Um, so anyway, yeah, to say, to, to summarize, uh, definitely, you know, um, you know, there's one thing, something being in public domain and there's another thing it being accessible and then it's another thing it actually being accessible in a form that's useful to people. Um, and really that's, that's the, the gap that we were trying to fill. So, um, you know, we didn't have to go through the process of, of finding these maps and scanning them in the archive, but we did fill that last gap between them, you know, technically being public domain and, and being viewable to being something that people could usefully kind of use um, without kind of technical knowledge or understanding or, or knowing kind of where to look for different components to, to, to make it useful. So. And so today, uh, you uh, pa uh, visualizing Palestine releases uh, um, Palestine today, <laughs> uh, which is uh, which is very much built on. Uh, I mean, clearly when you navigate in it, you can see how it's built on uh, on Palestine open maps, but maybe with a with an even more straightforward um, uh, use for it. Uh, can you can you describe a little bit uh, the project and uh, and its motivation? Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, I mean, number one, it definitely it's it's kind of an extension of of, uh, of Palestine Open Maps and accessing that information in another way. Um, I guess the motivation of it was um, a couple things. Is one, um, you know, Palestine Open Maps. It's quite it's it's kind of a, a a great interface for research and kind of exploration, but it's not a great interface for just explaining what's there and why it, what's the significance of it and how it relates you know the 1940s maps relate to the present day maps um and then secondly uh it's you know the the kind of newly available uh or more easily available tools for for kind of storytelling with maps like scrolly telling you know where you scroll down the page and the map kind of navigates and all this kind of thing And so what it's built on um, is, is a, a template that was available from uh, Mapbox GL, uh, JS, which is um, uh, a pretty powerful tool for, for, for rendering uh, web maps. Um, and basically what it allows you to do is to kind of, you know, you can connect with, with kind of scrolly telling. You can, you know, manipulate the map. Um, as the thing scrolls, but you can also view in different um, from different angles, so you can actually you know view in three dimensions the maps in a way. Um, so there's kind of lots of things you can do relative relatively easily, let's say, um, and so that seemed like a very nice way to kind of introduce you know what's on these historic maps and like what what's the the meaning of them and what the places on the maps and how they've transformed today. Um, and really the, the title of the platform, which is Palestine Today or Palestine Comma Today, um, the idea there is to say, okay, you know, Palestine, um, you know, what, what became of, you know, the places that were, you know, the, or the place that was known as Palestine and, and now is less lesser known as Palestine, let's say, uh, much of it known as, as Israel to the world. Um, and then, but the other thing is to say that it's not just about stories about villages that were destroyed and depopulated and, and, and refugees and, 
Um, but it's also about how much many of these places still exist um, and I guess still are on the map. Um, and uh, so this idea of, of Palestine today, it's not just about, you know, a historic place and how it's changed, but it's also about something that, that remains. Um, and I think this is the counter mapping component is, is you know, the, the, the question of who is 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 able to to say what this place is called you know so uh, and it's more complicated than just saying um okay we can refer to the un and the un says that that um you know this part is israel and this part is the west bank and gaza and we can call that the state of palestine if we want or we can call it the occupied palestinian territory um but the reality is is not that at all so if you go to um uh, like the maps my kids have, for example, I have like two atlases. One is by uh, Dorling Kindersley. One is by I think Usborne Books, um, and neither of them make any reference to to Palestine or Palestinians or the West Bank or Gaza or, or kind of any of these things. And they're at a small scale, but all you see on the map is Israel, and the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. Um, this is the flag of Israel. This is the population. Um, and you'll see maybe the Dome of the Rock as a kind of site in, in Jerusalem, but um, uh, you won't see any kind of reference to that, uh, to, to Palestine or Palestinians. And this is kind of, you know, you would think that, the, that these people would refer to, you know, kind of international authorities or whatever on what, on, you know, what's the kind of politically correct way to display this. Um, but the you know the reality that you get on the map is is you know i guess it's the it's the the map maps are, are made by the by the powerful or, or you know however you simplify it down um so so the act of counter mapping is saying okay you know here's another version of the story you know it's not even about saying that one is right and one is wrong i suppose it's about saying that you know this is a different uh, history. This is a different lived experience. Um, so I think that was that was the the intention behind the the name of the platform. Um, so probably, I mean, if you search for Palestine today online, you'll get you'll get like a probably a plethora of different things. So it might not be the best title in that sense, um, like news websites or or magazines or whatever. Um, but the the kind of Palestine comma today the the intention behind that was this this kind of counter mapping imperative, um, and even to expand on that quickly actually I mean there's you'll probably be aware Leopold but maybe not all of the listeners is that um, if you refer to Google Maps um, and you want to kind of navigate around uh, the West Bank um, you you can't get routes on there. It doesn't give you routes unless you're going from Israeli settlements to Israeli settlements. You can get a route from, um, let's say, uh, from uh, Tel Aviv to like Ariel, like some settlement in the West Bank. Uh, you could get a, a direction from Ariel to Jerusalem through the West Bank, but you can't get a direction from Nablus to to Hebron, for example. Or if you did, it would give you something you know, like from a settlement close to Nablus to a settlement close to Hebron on all the roads you can't travel on when you're a Palestinian. Um, so, and there's there's often on these maps, whether it's um, Google Maps or whether some other providers, you know, that there's not necessarily any mention of the West Bank, for example. There's not any mention of, you know, State of Palestine or whatever 
the official, uh, you know, the UN would recognize Nice as being this this piece of territory. Um, so, so there is this this kind of campaign that's led by a, a group called Hamlet, which is a um, a kind of digital campaigning group in in across the whole of historic Palestine, actually. Um, and it's called, you know, Google, Hey Google, put Palestine on the map. Well, I probably I probably mistitled it, but it's roughly along those lines. So if you look for put Palestine on the map, you know, there's there's a very um, practical present day kind of manifestation of that as well. It's interesting you're talking about the, the, the sort of the Google directions thing, because I was I was just thinking that if if Google wanted to actually do it in in uh, Uh, for example, in the West Bank, they, it, it, that would be that would be the one place in the world where they would need to say like, okay, first of all, do you have a permit? Yes, no. Then what kind of day is it? <laughs> Did you read the news? Is it going? Are, are the checkpoints going to be? It's each checkpoint is going to be manned, and and uh, are they going to stop each car and everything? Okay, and so then to go from to go from Hebron to. To to Nablus, <laughs> you would you would take like either either uh, 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 with a, with a, a a yellow a yellow plate car you would take like maybe uh, maybe forty five minutes and and with a, a green a green plate car you would take like two hours and then and then with like a, a, um, if if the conditions are particularly uh, bad then you might actually never get there. So some some somehow it's interesting to see how it would force Google itself to like sort of uh, uh, adapt their own interface. It, and I'm saying all that, of course, in a very sort of political vacuum where we where Google would be like sort of like the sort of very neutral uh, actors that they claim to be, which they are not, of course. But but if we if we sort of if we sort of play them in their own innocence it would be interesting to see what kind of results you would get yeah i mean i think i think actually like uh, hamley did did an analysis in the, in the report they made um and they compared um a few different providers of routes um and some of them actually did give routes some of them kind of gave like the most direct route and on, on the basis that you know you know check <laughs> locally what what's allowable or something like this um they also have ways you know this so this is actually an israeli yeah yeah kind of route finding um uh system which is actually owned by google and i guess they've integrated some of those features into google google maps uh, and i think they actually have you know because i mean it's israeli based you know it's easy for them to to kind of validate all this information Um, I think they might have provided some kind of system. I can't honestly remember. Uh, you'd have to look back at the report. So it's not like, it's not like okay, there is some complexity to it, but I think they have the information they need. And this is exactly why they're saying no route is available sometimes. It's because they know that there is, you know, that the route is not um, of the kind that they, that they want to render, you know, or something like this. So, for example... You know, the other comparison is that, you know, you can go to Gaza in, in Google Maps and you can get, you know, if you want to go from Khan Yunus to, to Gaza City, to uh, to Rafah, to, to wherever you want to go, Beit Hanun or whatever, you can get your directions on Google Maps fine. And they'll even tell you what the traffic is. Um, so uh, definitely, the, you know, the, they have the information that they would need to, to provide these routes, but, you know, they're more interested in providing a useful 
and safe service for, for Israeli settlers than they are uh, in providing you know, general kind of route information for everyone. Um, you were you were describing Palestine as a whole, of course, and um, and I think that's something that uh, that uh, Palestine today manages to do super well. I mean, of course, as usual, the, we have to insist about how much the sort of uh, the, um, the the West Bank and Gaza are incredibly marked uh, geologically by the settler colonial logics uh, that that sort of traced. The, the 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 borders in the very earth uh, with the uh, with the apartheid blockade wall uh, around Gaza and then with the, the the Jewish national found forest all around the West Bank and uh, and uh, and all this so you can still see those of course but I think I think the 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 if if you I think what what uh, Palestine today manages to do is to also erase those borders and uh, and consider Palestine as a as a whole uh, territory, and um, and it's extremely hard because because the the maps are so much part of our imaginaries uh, of Palestine and and when we think of maps we always sort of picture those. Uh, whether it's a green line or the line of the trace of the apartheid wall uh, running, and so I'm sure that has been part of the part of the things that you you've been particularly looking at, right? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it kind of goes back into a lot of our work uh, is visualizing Palestine as well. Is that um, you know that that I think that that to understand kind of um, the relationship between Isra Israelis and Palestinians and and You know, the history you kind of have to look at it as a single territory and that and whether that's you know because historically it is a single territory um, I mean obviously it's de defined even on the outside by colonial lines as well you know the, the way that the, the the region was cut up uh, in the early 20th century but um, but even like on different levels because today we you know we're in a situation where Israel has controlled all of this territory since since 1967 and Is you know as much as they're they're kind of on the periphery of Gaza and not inside it, they're considered to be the occupying power there, um, and they hold the population registry and all these things. So so there's different reasons. One is 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 that that uh, historic dimension is that that you know this this was a single kind of unified territory and that uh, it was was divided through through you know this uh, colonization project. Um, but also that in a in uh, you know as a matter of fact today it is controlled by one uh, you know authority and power now you know that um, uh, so so there's different you know imperatives for for kind of trying to tell the story that way um, and the challenge kind of we've had as you know visualizing Palestine from the beginning is to try to aggregate from different sources of uh, information to try and tell that single story um, so whether that's about you know population or whether that's about um, you know control of, of land whether that's about um, I mean a, a, any kind of thing whether it's uh, you know violence or whether it's about um, you know th things like you know like you mentioned the, the kind of forestation whether it's about All of these different things, you're you're always having to pull from multiple sources to try and build up that that singular picture. 
Um, so I think that, that for us, we've always tried to think of the starting point as this, this kind of single territory. Um, and in the case of this particular project, even more so because, you know, we're trying to tell the story of these, uh, you know, towns and villages uh, of historic Palestine and kind of how the situation has been transformed around them rather than, uh, you know, thinking of, of this as kind of, uh, how would you say, like like these kind of territories and countries and things like this, but as, as a specific locality. Um, so you'll see if you if you look at the story of um, Nablus, for example, I mentioned Nablus already, um, or you know any kind of town or village in the West Bank, um, then you know you can see when you get to the end of the story, okay, that this territory has been you know is now considered to be part of the West Bank and it's been controlled or or um, occupied since 1967. So it's kind of there in the story. But it starts from a kind of, you know, the story of each village kind of starts the same. And then, you know, was it depopulated? Uh, you know, what is the this, this, this situation of it now? And the stories kind of diverge. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I, I could w walk through kind of how the platform works, but I think people can just have a look at it and kind of this will make a bit more sense in the context of that. Perhaps it'd be good to describe those four categories of localities that you sort of... Uh you you made so i mean there's only four i think you can you can tell us basically the the main colors you'll see on the on the on the platform is that you have i think red which is is uh towns and villages that have been depopulated and built over and you have orange which is towns and villages that have been depopulated and then um uh appropriated And that mostly is kind of the, the kind of bigger historic cities in, in, uh, that are now in Israel. So you think of like Akka, uh, Haifa, Tiberias, Safad, all of these kind of towns that, that still remain, the historic centers still remain. Um, but they're, you know, most of the Palestinian populations or all of the Palestinian population has been, uh, you know, has, has uh, been forced out. Um, and then you have uh, depopulated, I think, yellow, which is, no, that was, so yeah, sorry, yellow is depopulated but not built over, which is actually the, the majority, I think. Um, so, so places that, you know, that they depopulated, you know, 500 villages or something, and of those, maybe 400 are in this category, or nearly 400. Um, and this is places where basically there's a field there or like a forest or something like this, but the place, the site where the, the built area of that village was, uh, you know, still exists. But then you also have the green category, which is places that remain, which is actually of all uh, the localities, I think it's a majority. Um, and even of Palestinian localities, I think it's, it's close to a majority. Um, but there's also... Uh, around nearly 200 um, uh, Jewish uh, localities, which would be basically localities that were, were kind of founded by the Zionist movement between the 1880s and 1940, well, around 1940 when the maps were made. Um, so there's nearly 200 of those, and almost all of those are in the category of, of the, the kind of green still remains, but there's a couple... 
Um, you know, there's I think two in the West Bank that were were actually depopulated by um, Arab military forces, um, and then you have a couple that, for whatever reason, were abandoned. Um, uh, just as as kind of you know demographics changed and and particular communities moved around or whatever it is. Um, so there's a lot of there's actually some subtlety there. Eventually, when you start to kind of click around the dots and uh, uh, search for different different locations, there's a bit more kind of subtlety to what's what's in that map. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's kind of just a, a sample of some of the stories. Great. Well, as you say, I think the best is also for people to 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 navigate this together, and and I think it's it has. It has the quality of a of a really great tool when it comes to Palestine because I think it can be as useful for very sort of pedagogic reason for people who are not really familiar with uh, uh, the sort of the, the settler colonial geography of Palestine and at the same time uh, can be incredibly useful for people who are either in Palestine or outside of Palestine uh, uh, using those tools for. Um, for uh, decolonial purposes so um uh so uh, yeah i think i think we can uh, we can also let people uh, uh go on it and uh i'm very grateful that you take this you took this time today uh to talk to us ahmad and uh and wish you the very best for all the projects that will follow thank you thanks leopold and the thing i should mention actually finally is that We actually there's there's the ability also to share these um, stories, so you can actually share the story in the map at the end of the 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 experience, and we really want to encourage people to do that. So if they have a, a place that has importance to them, or um, just generally they want to kind of share the platform, you can do that by sharing individual places, which is something you can't really do on Palestine Open Maps at the moment in the same way. Um, so those are kind of provide you can provide that specific village as, as an entry point for the story, um, and so people and obviously people can find the site. Um, you know, once it once it's online, it'll be at uh, today.visualizingpalestine.org, um, and that's kind of where you can kind of make sense of what we're talking about. Great, thanks again, Ahmed. Thank you so much.